Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have a bit of a different show. We have our Ask Me Anything episode today. So these are questions that I have been provided by you as the listeners or um, along the way, along the journey um, in our day-to-day practice that I want to provide answers to you for in a quick podcast session. So today, I'll run through a few and we will be integrating this into our podcast from time to time. Now, if you have a question that you'd like me to answer, then please send it to us at podcasts at aspectlegal.com.au and we'll put that link in the show notes. Now, here we go with a very quick session for you. So, Glenn, please ask me anything. I've got a question from a lot of small businesses I talk to. They've got somewhere between five and 15 employees. Um, I often get the question of, should I get a lawyer to be able to help me draft contracts with employees, et cetera, to kind of make sure that's all right, where I could just sign up for one of these online services where they've got a whole bunch of templates, they can download it, they'll customise it, they're really cheap, whereas lawyers uh, aren't as cheap. And so I I guess, is there a benefit there? Can, can, Can a lawyer, certainly not just a lawyer, but you and the way that you and your team think, which is very, very different to most. Yeah. Um, is there yeah. is there a value there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So, so number one, I think a lot of this comes back to the size of the business. So, I'm all about proportionate spend um, on uh, on legals, on uh, you, you know any costs in the business. So. Um, I think one of the things he once said to me, and I love this, is when you don't want to build a fortress around a teepee. So, so the answer to your question, Glenn, um, comes back to where you are at, um, in your business. So some businesses have a very simple and they'll, they'll be fine with just a template or approach to employment agreements. And, and in that instance, I think it's fine to go with a template or approach. In some businesses, there's a lot of complexity. There's awards that are relevant to each of the different staff and staffing levels. So, um, and other compliance aspects for a business that you won't even understand um, until you work out the complexities that are relevant to your own business. So the very first thing is being able to go and speak to someone who will be able to have that discussion with you about whether or not you're a complex business or not a complex business. You know, do you have a complex need within your employment contracts? And and I have seen some horrific cases of people who've used employment uh, templates without understanding the appropriate way to use them. So they haven't covered off uh, the requirements in relation to individual staffing who were covered by awards properly because they didn't understand that their staff were covered by awards. They, they didn't comply with, you know, tea break requirements. And some, you know, we, we had a client who came to us who had a claim against them for 10 years of underpayment for their staff because they'd neglected a 15-minute tea break, a 15-minute tea break, and they'd use a a template or approach because they didn't understand. So, So the answer is, number one, maybe 
templates will be fine for you, but do you know what you're doing in making the decision about whether you're the kind of business that that could work for or the kind of business that it won't? So, so that's sort of a risk protection side, but there's a whole other side of looking at, um, in the employee relationship, um, that also should be considered and evaluated for the future of a business. And, and that can come down to some really creative ways to use your employment relationship. And when I say that, I mean things like building in bonuses, building in short-term and long-term incentives that can help keep employees um, involved with the business for the long-term, building in phantom um, employee share schemes. So phantom schemes that are like share schemes for a business, but without giving equity, building in share schemes for, um, for your employees. So there's actually a whole world of opportunity for attraction re- and retention of staff. If you look at empo- the employment relationship from a bit more of, uh, I guess, uh, rather than just a legal angle, looking at in the totality of in terms of how can you set up this relationship in a way that maybe you hadn't thought about before. Love that. Um, and if I could just feedback and provide some feedback on that, if anyone was to, I, I think your part of your default should be when someone asks a functional question like that to be able to go, well, in all these things, there's the functional legal work, but then there's the high value opportunity that gets created. Right. And with these, with these templated systems, you're going to get the functional stuff probably. Right. Um, although I've heard some horror stories, but what you're not going to get is the entrepreneurial creativity that can come from, you know, um, approaching legal work as a, as a, as a deal making slash growth slash opportunity creation tactic or strategy, et cetera. That's always what I've seen about you, right? I've always, I've always kind of thought of, of you and your team as the Harvey Spectre. If you've seen that, what's that, that show? I can't remember what it's suits, right? Where he's always using, he's always using his legal mind to do deals and expand opportunity, right? He's not trying to shut stuff down or get into the nitty gritty or he's like, he's using it to create value. Um, and it's you're the only real lawyer I've met that just knows how to do that and and dials into that. And so I think that's a really key point to to leverage. So let me go to this next question. All right, Joanna, next question. How we we had this experience where um, for our new clients coming on board, we needed some kind of terms and conditions or contract sort of a thing. And I remember like nine years ago going to a lawyer and talking about the key person of influence program and our clients and what we were doing and we needed some kind of way to, you know, protect ourselves and protect them and all this stuff. And they came back with this 14-page document. And my background is sales and marketing. I'm looking at this document going, there is no bleeping way I'm going to ask someone to read and agree to this document prior to them becoming a client of ours. Like, talk about a... uh, uh, talk about a downer in terms of energy. And so I ended up just writing a one-pager myself, right, which is stuff like IP. What's ours is ours and what's yours is yours, like real real sort of simple stuff, which probably is not going to hold up in a court of law, but I was also weighing up, like, what's the cost and the downside? Am I really going to fight anything like this in court? Like, is it da-da-da, all these sorts of things. And so I guess for anyone that's thinking about, creating a contract uh, for a client, how do you think about balancing 
ultimate protection with the needs of, you know, a business to actually be able to uh, uh, make the sale as frictionless as possible. So the first thing is... um when you're dealing with business clients, business clients are very used to dealing with terms and conditions. So I think many businesses are more scared of what terms and conditions look like than the businesses who are receiving them. But the other thing from a legal perspective is it's harder to be creative in a legal document and create something that meets the voice of your client than it is to just use a template. So that that is one of the, you know, one one of the issues with law, I guess. The the reality is you're you're picking up on something that's a really good point that the um that a terms and conditions document might actually be part of how you're presenting your business and so you want it to reflect your voice. But the other thing that you absolutely need is for it to set out the terms of the relationship between you and your clients. And and I look at terms and conditions from that perspective. Many, many lawyers will look at terms and conditions as the the thing that you sit in your drawer in case there's ever an argument so that you can pull it out and, and use it to wallop your client with or if you end up in court so you can end up being right. Almost no one takes these things to court because litigation's ridiculously expensive. You know, what what you need and the way I see the client document is a way of setting out the relationship right from the beginning so you're clear about the expectations of what you're providing it providing and they're clear about their um, performance expectations. So therefore the document must be clear, easy to read and and accessible. A 14-page document is not accessible. A 14-page document is not going to be read. So I think you're on absolutely the right track because you're creating something that actually balanced that understanding of the relationship right at the beginning, which drives behaviour of both of the parties. Because I promise you that when people breach a contract, in the majority of instances, obviously there's some instances that fall outside of of this, but in the majority of instances, it's because they think there's ambiguity. And that ambiguity is either because it A, was never discussed in a way that they understand, um, or B, it was unclear. So I, I think I take what you say, um, but the, the in relation to the reason that you approached it in the way that you did, but the one other element is you also need to be very careful in the way you're recreating documents yourself because you know, it's very easy for you to write something thinking it means a certain thing, but for there to be a whole heap of ambiguity in what you've written. So that's why I think lawyers need to pair with the business um, to create something that both that traverses both of those areas. One which which sets the expectations, but B does so without ambiguity, so it doesn't create um, arguments into the future. So, so next question: How would I know? If I'm underprotected legally in my business, because businesses grow through all these different stages, and I guess short of having a lawyer come in and examine every little nook and cranny, which you know, if I was to suggest to a hundred of my mates that own businesses, hey, have a lawyer come in and pull everything apart for you, it's probably going to have a fairly low conversion rate. Although I'd imagine most of them would need uh, some kind of perspective at least. Um, what's your recommendation? Yeah, um, and it, it, it's a really good question because, unfortunately, businesses generally don't realise there's risk sitting in their business until it's too late. Something's gone off, it's cost them 
a heap of money because they're sitting in disputes for things that could have been avoided. And, um, you, you know, um, I've worked with businesses for years and years and years where I've spent a lot of time running them through these complex legal audits and helping identify where problems um, sit in their business or, or opportunities um, for, you, you know, for protection into the future. Um, but I've, I've put this all together in a, a scorecard, actually. So businesses can go in for free um, and, uh, you know, assess their business. Because one of the most vulnerable points I've found for a business is either during a period of growth or or just after they've gone through a period of growth, because what generally happens is the business grows quicker than the legal infrastructure within it. And the legal infrastructure, you know, that they're running on is based on documents, legal documents that are um, borrowed, stolen, or readapted, you know, themselves in their business. I'm sure you'd never have done that, Glenn, but, um, but, but it's the classic trajectory. But the thing is, what usually happens, so the way businesses in um, a traditional sense used to realise they weren't protected was because a really big issue would occur in the business or a whole heap of fires that were taking the owner's time, attention, and a whole heap of money to fix. And at that point, they went, oh, geez, you know, I realise now I've got an issue and we need to fix the infrastructure. Well, I'm saying get in before that happens. Get in before it costs you a stack of time, money, and effort. Um, get in there, understand where your risks are, and, and you can do it in a free way because we've um, developed this um, this questionnaire and scorecard quiz that business owners can use to go and assess how they're performing in each of the different areas of their business from a legal infrastructure perspective and whether their legal infrastructure fits where they are right now. How do they get it? Well, just head over to our website um, for the book, buygrowexit.com.au, and it's really easy. There's a button there. You just press it and off you go um, into the scorecard itself. Um, and it's a really quick process, but I, I think extremely illuminating for any business owner. It doesn't cost you any money and hardly any time, but, you, you know, it's such a great uh, return on spend for you to be able to work out where you know, you've got risks sitting in your business before it goes off. But beautiful. Well, that's it for our Ask Me Anything episode today. I hope you found that useful. Now, we've got a few more of these style podcasts coming up soon. I find it invaluable to be able to answer these top of mind questions, whether they're from our guests, our audience, or our client. Now, if you have a specific topic or question that you'd like us to discuss, then submit your Ask Me Anything questions to podcast at aspectlegal.com.au or check out the show notes to this episode where we will link right through to an email for you to submit to submit your Ask Me Anything questions. And an important reminder that if you would like any legal assistance with matters that you're working on at the moment, then don't forget you can book in for an initial free call directly with our Legal Eagles at Aspect Legal by heading to our homepage at aspectlegal.com. Well, that's it for me today. My name is Joanna Oki, and you've been listening to another wonderful episode of our podcast, proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. I 
am so very excited to announce that I've hit a non-podcast-related milestone and released a book. You might wonder why? Simple. I wanted to help business owners understand the mechanics of deal-making and the interaction between three critical phases of business, acquisition, growth, and exit. And so I am very happy to announce Buy, Grow, Exit, a guidebook for business owners and their advisors on how to buy, grow, and guess what, exit in a way that maximizes value and avoids landmines along the way. The book is available now, so just head over to buygrowexit.com.au to get your copy and to access a whole heap of free resources that will really help you on your journey of acquisition, growth, and exit in your business or in working with your clients. Also check out our show notes where we will link straight through to that page. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.